You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jimmy Wong. Hi, everyone. I'm DJ. The Jumbo Commander himself has joined us in the house to talk about all things Strixhaven. DJ's been around quite a bit for Strixhaven, and we, we're very gl- glad to have another professor like you in the house. There are a lot of there are a lot of cards around. I don't know if you yeah. notice this, but <laughs> a lot of cards. We're oh, slowly yeah. moving through our coverage of Strixhaven, and today we're ca- talking about Commander 2021 cards. Yep, and specifically how those cards might fit into your 99. So this isn't Strixhaven the main set. These are the cards that come out of the pre-cons, and we're going to be covering the white, blue, and black cards today. So these come from all of the decks or not specifically from any of them we've been doing so much stuff we've been talking about so many cars there's going to be so many synergies you might be interested in making these synergies come true for yourself but in that case head on over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone you buffoon get over there and buy some cards using that affiliate link or what you know what get some sleeves while you're at it too that's why i use uh, when you use that affiliate link of course you are supporting the show directly and any uh, you know if you made an order back in april we did this awesome collaboration with magic kids which gets magic cards to schools around the nation and helps them with after school programs and all that good stuff that's really awesome magic like was a place for me to like explore myself and like oh, nice. and really like when i was a kid like i was mm-hmm. playing magic on the playgrounds and making friends with magic so yeah it's great. that's when i fell in love with red because i saw lightning bone and i was like this is so cool uh of course the show is also brought to you by ultra pro ultra pro provides all of the awesome play mats and stuff you see on game nights they also make stuff for each set so if you like the Strixhaven art if you like the mystical archive art that was in this set wow you can get some of those play mats right now from ultra pro they also help us provide the stuff for game nights that we give away to our lucky viewers every single week and finally last week the support of the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone we shout out one lucky patron every single week so this episode is dedicated to you daniel woodland woodling daniel. sounds like a creature type you rock oh you rock daniel you'd be a great creature type daniel now i did see there's a note here it says that daniel is actually someone that's done some great freelance graphic work and a few game nights card animations for us so he did the oh. end pages for prismari and witherbloom so that's really cool daniel a patron and someone that's helped us on on the show as well talented I nice know, with a nice lucky call out okay let's move right into it we are covering only the commander product today the cards from the main set they're going to have their own review videos released separately depending on when you're watching this they may already be out so make sure you subscribe to the channel to see where they are yeah a lot of times when we see these cards uh part of a pre-constructed deck we think of them in terms of the commander that's right there in the front you yeah. know what i mean and so now we're able to take it out of its normal context and evaluate and find out what decks they might go in right now in your commander collection yeah so. and if you're like me i always buy one of each of the pre-cons i play them a little bit i love seeing how they play against each other and then i just tear that sucker apart Totally I slot stuff in. That. That's one of my favorite things to do, especially when the pre-cons come out. So we are going to start with white, and we are going to talk about one big artifact creature angel called Angel of the Ruins. This is five white, white for a five, seven artifact creature angel with flying. And when Angel of the Ruins enters the battlefield, exile up to two target artifacts and or enchantments. 
This also has Plane Cycling for two on it, which means you can pay two generic mana to discard this card, search your library for a Plains card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. Okay, this is a seven mana artifact creature, Angel. The first thing I wrote on this outline is do not underestimate plane cycling. You should not. It's very good. Yeah, any of the mountain cycling, swamp cycling, because you're not just getting a basic planes, you're paying two mana, fixing your mana because you can get Rogrin Triome. You can also cycle that away. Prairie Stream, Sacred Foundry, tons of lands. This helps you fix your mana and multicolor decks. And more importantly, it's not a dead card if you draw it in your opening hand. Yeah, for sure. It can sometimes let you skimp, go a little bit lighter on your mana base too. Don't go too light. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> the cards like this really do help you smooth out your draw a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about this is just sort of like a big dumb angel? Does it have enough utility to be a utility creature? As a seven mana five seven with flying, the stats aren't amazing. Seven mana is a lot. Keep in mind that these days you really only kind of run one or two cards past the seven mana slot. So you got to be a little picky with that. Oh man, I'm guilty of running way too many cards past the seven mana slot. <laughs> That's definitely my, you know what DJ, we're on the same page. Josh and I always talk about This like, only costs two mana, Jimmy. Come on. Nah. <laughs> That's true. I actually think this is a very powerful effect effect you're exiling artifacts and enchantments which is a lot lot better than destroying them but seven mana is a bit uh yeah. expensive exiling two things that's usually worth about four cmc right like a crush contraband kind yep. of thing return to dust and, yeah and return to dust and so that means you're getting like a five seven angel attached to it for not that much that seems pretty good on top right four mana and so that means it costs you three mana to get this angel the math doesn't always work out no it doesn't fans. it you really know, doesn't but i would want to flicker this i think this is where you're gonna have a lot of fun especially because you can reuse this in a rune deck uh, or maybe you're going to cheat it out of your graveyard by reanimating it mm -hmm. there's also cards like angel of sanctions which has embalm on it so like these are kinds of cards you want to put into your graveyard already so i could see angel of ruins right early turns plane cycle it away later on regrow it out of your graveyard onto the battlefield not regrow but totally i could it. see that one thing that i think is a, a trap for some people is thinking that this is reliable artifact and enchantment removal and uh, whenever it costs seven mana to do the thing you want to do it's not flexible enough you yeah know, this is sorcery speed seven mana when you need to answer the dangerous thing that your opponents are doing it needs to be cheaper it needs to be instant speed in order for you to react to them this right. is like a value destroy you know when you get up to there you're like oh I'm, i'll cast it and i'll just take out the two best things mm -hmm. um and it's not going to give you that reactive uh play style that you might need to survive a game of Commander. yeah or play this and then play something on top oh yeah yeah, so I would say this is in a great deck, again, if you have got flicker strategies and it's an enabler, it helps synergize with those parts, but I wouldn't necessarily count this as single target removal, even though it looks like it on the surface. Yeah. All right, Jimmy, next one. Let's go. Archaeomancer's Map. Oh, yeah, we were once together at this table screaming about this card. Let's scream Let's about do it, it again. again. <laughs> <laughs> two and a white for an artifact. When Archaeomancer's Map enters the battlefield, search your library for up to two basic planes cards, Ooh. reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, that player, if that player controls more lands than you, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. Hello. So this is got the classic white element of like, here's how you're going to catch up to your opponents land wise. But more importantly, it's a three mana draw two. It's like divination, but for two planes. Uh, baseline, you just draw two planes. It's not embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, and then the fact that this is on the battlefield and it can happen over and over and over and again, over. and it will because you're in white, you know, <laughs> this is great. People are calling it the white cultivate. I don't think it's obviously that good. It's the closest white's gotten to cultivate. Well, I don't know. Is sure. it like, is it better than cultivate or Kadama's no. Reach? Well, hmm. So hang on. You three mana. Yeah. You get 
two two cards essentially. Now right. with Cultivate, you immediately and automatically get one onto the battlefield tapped. This one, you have to be lucky enough that in your first go around, someone has more lands than you and plays a And then it's going to be the same esque value as a cultivate. And then it's exactly the same as cultivate right. if you can do it before it comes back around to you. If you can do it twice, then it becomes better than cultivate. So you do have to pair it up with card draw to make sure you have enough lands to keep doing this over and over again. And then you also kind of have hope that someone else at the table is playing a ramp spell every other turn that's land-based so that you have someone to catch up to. Because inevitably, you will be at the front of the line in terms of how many lands are on the battlefield, right? I think that if white can just play a game where it's like second when it comes to mana ramp at the table. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Good job, white. Uh, I think Cultivate's only better for me right now, specifically in this current mindset, because you have all these wonderful landfall synergies in green, and green is much more suited to take use of your extra lands, like with Scape Shift and different ways. <laughs> Jimmy's just like, hey guys, I like Cultivate better because green is better. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's how that answer is going to go. <laughs> but, He's not wrong either. But here's the thing about Kalemancer's Ga- 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 map. It's, it's an artifact, so that means that you can do things with synergies with artifacts, which is what Lorehold is all about. So Osgir the Reconstructor, you can sacrifice this, bring it back to the battlefield and make two token copies of it. Uh, that means you get to draw four planes if you do that. That seems pretty darn good. Now, they are basic planes, so you do need to make sure you have a lot of planes in your deck to do that with. But like Brago can flicker this every single turn. Oh, more yeah. And more, more and more planes. Like, it just seems like this is going to be a white commander staple. I liked how you wrote down Sun Titan because that this is a card that I want to bring back with Sun Titan for sure. And there's tons of other ways to get artifacts back into your hand. But um, if you flicker it with Brago, you can put Panharmonicon out too and then just go nuts oh with your artifacts. Oh, gosh. Energy crazy yeah if you're playing three color decks too archaeomancer's map looks a lot worse sorry just gonna put that out there i think you're maxed out at two colors um because you know searching up two planes actually maybe you could play it in a three color deck if you have a lot of planes i don't know yeah but remember they are basic planes uh you should play your basics uh but if you're in a three color deck uh you have to think of what other color are you interacting with right and what kind of ramp opportunities do they have you yeah. know if you have green then archaeomancer's map not so hot yeah but if you're playing like esper then maybe this is something you decide to run yeah for sure yep okay all right, let's move on. Bronze Guardian, four and a white for an artifact creature, Golem. That's a star five with double strike and then ward two. So this is a new evergreen mechanic that says, whenever this creature becomes a target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter it unless that player pays the ward cost, which in this case is two generic mana. This also says other artifacts you control have ward two and that Bronze's Guardian's, Bronze Guardian's power is equal to the number of artifacts you control. Okay. What's cool is that ward stacks. So if you have two copies of Bronze Guardian out, again, with like Osgear, the Reconstructor, you can make token copies of it. Then every one of your creatures has ward two twice. So it basically makes them untargetable because that's four extra mana to target it. That's cool. Do you like do you like the ward mechanic? Uh, I think it's good. It's not great in Commander because oftentimes people will just pay it. Mm-hmm. People do pay the one for Ristic Study these days. They do pay it. Uh, and so paying the two to get rid of something, it is a bit of a tax, but it's not game ending. Got it. Hexproof is just infinitely better, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, But, you know, I don't love Hexproof, so I think that Ward being that middle ground is okay for me. Right. Yeah, I know some people don't like the Hexproof and Shroud worlds. 
In that case, I'm going to try and copy this with Cogwork Assembler or Sahili's Artistry or Sublime Epiphany and just make my artifacts literally untargetable because who wants to pay eight mana once you get four? So you like the untargetable aspect of it. I kind of like how, how big it gets. It's yeah. just like a big, dumb, attacking creature. Like, I mean, that's that shouldn't surprise you because I have an Akiri Line Slinger deck. Oh, uh, okay. You know, the Akiri Line Slinger has a power similar, um, equal to the number of artifacts you have. So does this one. Uh, this has double strike, which means that it just smashes really well. Um, and no Akiri wants to get no a triangle. lot of artifacts on the battlefield too. Oh, so it's totally. going to get bigger. Yeah. So this is going to slot into there. And and actually I've seen uh, it play like with cards like cranial plating. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the artifact. Unfortunately, it's in black because it has black activation cost right. in it. Uh, that does the same thing. And so all of these cards play really well together. You mentioned Karnstrucks, you know, uh, those play really well together too. Oh yes, the old Karnstrucks, everyone's favorite little zero zeros that just keep getting bigger. Yeah. Um, so I really like how big, dumb, attacky these things can be because uh, they can just pressure your opponents a lot more than you could think. Yeah, so I like that. You want to put it in a deck where you're really making use of that double strike and equipment seems like a good way to do so. Yeah, I mean, if you have double strike, you know, swords of, you know, yep. deal double that damage, get that double trigger double going trigger, on. Double yeah. trigger, yeah. For sure. Yeah, and double strike isn't a thing that when it starts going off, oh my goodness, hello damage. What we got next? Next, we have Combat Calligrapher. Three and a white for a 3-3 three, three bird cleric with flying. Inklings can't attack you or planeswalkers you control. Whenever a player attacks one of your opponents, that attacking player creates a tapped 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying that's attacking that opponent. Ah, okay. So your opponents are incentivized to attack each other. They make 2-1 inklings, and those inklings cannot attack you as long as the combat calligrapher is on the battlefield. I like that it dissuades your opponents from attacking you. Yeah. That's always good. Uh, I'm okay with giving you some value in to incentivize you to, to attack other people. It just feels like this is pretty fragile, you know? All yeah. it takes is one removal spell, and all the inklings that you've been creating throughout the early game can be swung at you. Not just to mention, you could also steal the combat calligrapher so your opponent now doesn't get to be attacked by the Inklings. That's true. The thing I don't like about this is that, you know, maybe in a super aggressive table, the combat calligrapher comes out and all of the players go, yes, all right, swinging out, making all these two ones. But let's say you have an aristocrat stack at the table. You're giving them another token. So the combat calligrapher looks really good to me until someone kills it. And then they come swinging all at you, all these two ones that you made. So maybe you could make it indestructible, hexproof, and it could do some more work in those areas. It seems like a lot of hoops to jump through just to be able to, again, give someone an inkling. Yeah. You actually put down Varchild, Betrayal of Keldor, which yeah. is interesting because it's a really good comparison to this. Varchild makes these tokens, but those tokens actually come back to you when Varchild dies. Whereas in this case, when the combat calligrapher dies, those tokens just chill on out there. Yeah. Varchild, I love the templating on it because those things, like, they kind of always come back to you. Yes, your opponent can do those sacrificey things that you're talking right. about. You know, this either one of these cards with a skull clamp across the table from you is just like, uh -huh. heartbreaking. Oh my goodness. You yeah. Know, you know what I mean? So there's there's Wait, definitely... actually, this card sucks now. Imagine just playing it and someone has a skull clamp. You're you're, you're not going to play this out of your hand. No. You're giving them free two cards, two cards every single turn. I mean, you can generate inklings too, so maybe you have a skull clamp? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then another card that Josh and I previewed, our first preview card ever, which is Rite of the Raging Storm. Another similar effect. You're making creatures for other people, but those creatures get sacrificed at the end of combat. I like or end Rite of the, of the Raging Storm. Yeah, you know what? Over time, I found I liked it more and more because 5-1 with Trample, that, that could be a lot of damage. Yeah. It adds up. Next up, we have the Dig Site Engineer. Two and a white for a 3-3 Dwarf Artificer. 
Whenever you cast an artifact spell, you may pay two generic mana. If you do, create a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token with, this creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact you control. So these are the constructs, as you so aptly named them. I love this card so much. I really do. Um, just constantly, here's the thing, a construct for two mana is just a great deal. Mm -hmm. I will take that any day. Because that creature might be like a 6-6. Six, six. Yeah, and it, it adjusts, it scales with the game. So one mm -hmm. construct and there's just nothing else on the board. There has to be an artifact. So it's automatically a two mana two two, but then every other artifact Wait, no, artifact it, you it play. itself is a one one by itself because it is the first artifact you have. Yes, but you had to play an artifact to trigger it too. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah, play yeah. an artifact to trigger it and then it's an artifact itself. So that's why I'm like, it's kind of a two two for two. Yeah, but then the right. next artifact you play and you trigger it, then suddenly you have two three, four three. fours. Oh, two four fours, that's right. Because you they played another artifact yeah, and right. you did that. Like the scales, so well yeah the only thing i don't like about this is that it says whenever you cast an artifact spell which means that you can't flicker what to have it enter the battlefield and then that made me think of um you're thinking of osgir and wanting to like bring him back from the graveyard yeah and right this and stuff right yeah i was thinking about mentor of the meek uh which has you paying two mana for an extra card every single time a, a power two or less creature enters the battlefield and that to me seems like it's actually pretty hard to trigger because two mana to me seems a little bit pricey but constructs do get to be very, very big. So I see your point there. I know what you mean. Like I've, I've found myself wanting to curve out a little bit more in a lot of these decks yeah. and, and artifacts, you know, you don't often have two mana to spend, right? You know? But maybe this is playing in a deck where you have a lot of little things, maybe in equipment decks and stuff like that, um, where, I mean, just imagine you play bobbles or you play uh, other uh, yeah. mana rocks or you draw your soul ring late and usually your mana rocks are dead cards, but now uh, they come with a huge body. Yeah. I like that part of it. The, you, I wish you could cast a ramp spell, like a, a soul ring, and use that soul ring to pay for Dig Side <laughs> Engineer, but it's an on-cast trigger, so you yeah, can't do that. Sure. But I'll compare it also. You put down Retrofitter Foundry, Mirror Smith, Karn, Sign of Urza. Like, look at the rates of those cards and ask yourself, is paying two mana for this better or worse? And I think, actually, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh one, one final thing. Depala Pilot Exemplar. Oh, cares yeah. about dwarves, dwarves, cares about artifacts, and the sort of do-nothing artifacts, like vehicles, when you cast them, they don't do anything, but now they do with the dig side engineer. So this seems like a perfect fit in those kinds of decks. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, excavation technique is three and a white for sorcery with demonstrate. Do we need a refresher on demonstrate? Yeah, let's hit it. Yeah, so I'm gonna read the card and then I'll explain demonstrate. So destroy target non-land permanent, its controller creates two treasure tokens. Hmm. So on its face, four mana, sorcery speed, destroy non-land permanent, you get two treasure tokens. That's not a very good rate. You know, okay. we can get this similar effect for three mana, maybe even less, but also you're giving them two treasures. We're giving them two treasures. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Demonstrate though, means that you can have an opponent have a copy of the spell. Oh, thank you. But then I get an additional copy of that spell. So, so you get two casts of this. That's and I right. Get one. You get one. So that means that this spell could go off three times, creating a much bigger impact on a four player game of commander across the board. Yeah, so four mana, get rid of the three most problematic things on the board and exchange them for two treasures each. That seems pretty good. You just need to make sure that the person you're demonstrating with is down to do it with you. And I think people are down to do it with with you. Like there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of politics going on, and and when you can leverage what your opponents are doing and give them incentives, then you could get them on your side for a lot of other things. Yeah, not to mention sometimes you do need to when you're playing like against a Josh or even a DJ, get rid of three combo pieces because all three of them are problematic. It's not just the Great Henge; it's that plus this and the Commander. 
So, but, but actually things like this are great equalizers in a game. I mean, if you can imagine someone is the arch enemy and you need to take them down, this is the way that you restore balance to the table yep. is by teaming up and taking someone, Josh, down a peg. <laughs> yeah, we'll just keep putting that in people's heads so that when we get back to Magic <laughs> Fest, everyone knows who's the target first. Yeah, comparing the downsides to Swords of Plowshares, which has the person gaining life and Path to Exile, which gets them a basic land. The two treasure tokens are very good, obviously. Yeah, I um, hate giving someone a land, honestly. Yeah, I, I do hate giving them two mana as well. So it's a little worse when you're trying to target their commander because the mana you're giving them is going to help them rebuild their board. But if you're just putting something in the graveyard and they can't get it back, that might be worth it. And the two extra mana, well, they're probably going to use it against you, so be careful. Also, uh, in mono white, this is great, I think. In anytime you add another color to white, especially black, you this just becomes i think a lot lot worse would you ever blow up your own things to ramp i think so if you had maybe like because you're copying it right maybe it's like i'm gonna blow up that thing and i'm gonna get let you choose one thing and then i'm also gonna blow up this one one token that doesn't do anything anymore get two treasures now i can play another spell this turn or even next turn i play an even bigger thing i think ramping i like the idea of ramping in a next turn like four yeah. mana you can take care of that problem i'm just gonna destroy two like soldiers like you mentioned and yeah. get four treasure tokens to set me up for my next turn i mean if it's you're a silly play but i like it if you remember josh's tago deck where he was using like gear per ether grid and stuff and just ways to right if you have improvised abilities in your deck then having those extra treasures might be really good for you all right next up we have guardian archon four white white for a five five creature archon with flying as it enters the battlefield secretly choose an opponent and this is the activate ability reveal the player you chose you and target permanent you control each game protection from the chosen player until end of turn activate only once so for six mana, you get a 5-5 five, five flyer. It enters the battlefield, and it's a secret player you choose, an opponent. And then at any point, you can reveal that player and give yourself and a permanent that you control protection from that player. So they can't target it, damage it, do anything to it otherwise. So I really like the idea of secretly choosing a player. Right. I think that's a really fun mechanic. I like stalking Leonin, you know. Oh, right. Um, and I, I think that that's a really fun play because I, I think it's really cool that everyone's like, I wonder what, he, what they chose. And you who know? they chose, yeah. yeah. who they chose and you write it down, you stick it underneath the card. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's super fun. But this is just a six mana five five flyer. And you can only do it once, which means you better be flickering it. That's how I think about it. Ephemerate, Rune, all those sim cards, Brago. Being able to reset this all the time, like, okay, cool, I used it up, because that, that feels bad, right? You pay six mana, get this 5-5, five, five, you choose a player, and then boom, ha, gotcha one time, and you still have an awesome 5-5 five, five flyer at the end of it, but you don't get to do it again, because you you just have it for that turn, right? You know what? You mentioned Brago, and that sounds really great. So basically, you reveal the player, and you have protection, so Brago can't be blocked, ah. and then Brago will get in no matter what. Wait and a then you second, flicker I didn't it. even think about that. That's right, you can choose Brago for the permanent and then it can attack because it has protection. Wow, DJ, you made me sound way smarter than I actually was trying to be. I mean, you literally, just trying like to reset you were just the saying card. it right now, you're trying to reset the card, but... Yeah, but that's great though because it can come back and then you know who you're going to attack. You can choose the same player and at the same time, or let's say the person that's the most likely to target it, you can choose them. That's pretty neat. I like that a lot. Here's the thing. We're, we're a little bit happy, but that's like so corner case that we're just happy that this card can <laughs> fulfill a corner case and there are Brago decks that aren't going to mess around with anything that costs that's six cost mana. That's cost six mana, yeah. yeah. No thanks. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So good times. 
Yeah. There is one card that I do like that secretly chooses something that's a flyer and redirects it. Uh-huh. Emissary of Grudges. Oh, yes, yeah, right. Uh, that's a red. That's a Five big, and a red, yeah. Yeah, big, red, hasty, flying creature. Uh, but it actually has you redirect a spell that's targeting something you control. Yep. So that means that you're kind of getting a card advantage by taking the card that's going at you and then turning around at something else. It's like a two for one built into the card. Right. This is just a level of protection. You might be able to blank one card or get an extra combat i just yeah i like how you thought about emissary of grudges and stalking leonin too right it gets rid of a card attacking you a target creature attacking you when you reveal the chosen player so that's nice because it actually is removal this in this case just kind of blanks their spell i don't know let's take a look at monologue attacks let's take a look deliver a monologue to oh no (laughs) two and a white for an enchantment whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn you create a treasure token. Oh, okay. So this is, uh, again, this is now with Smothering Tithe and Greed. Lots of things coming out of people's mouths in the same horrifying, like, ah, moment. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy has the horrible, like, vision of, ah! like, I don't like things spewing out of people's mouths like yeah. that. Yeah, also, where did it come from? The teacher looks pretty smug and happy about it. Your unsolicited words enrich us all. Please continue, said Yold, professor of crypto relicology. Do not take his class. Um, everyone wants to compare this to Smothering Tithe. Obviously, Smothering Tithe is just way better because it doesn't require your opponents to do anything but draw cards, which they're doing at the beginning of every single one of their turns and then probably much more past that. Yeah. So where does this sit? Like if this generates a treasure every turn for you, Jimmy, would you think this card is playable? The four-player table? Heck yeah. By the time it gets back to you, you get three mana. Well, okay, if everyone gener- if everyone generates a treasure, but what if it's just one? One player as it goes around the table, one treasure per turn. So one treasure per turn, keep in mind they're not land, so they don't stick around the battlefield. I think that's okay, but it's not great. But one treasure per turn would kind of be a land. Right, but you're getting rid of it, in your mind. and then you don't get that again. So, but if you get it every turn, one treasure, it's kind of like the three mana, you have a land. You're always, yeah, like kind of floating on top. I think if this gave you at least two treasures a turn, or even if it was like 1.5 treasures, so it was more often two than not, yeah, uh, I think it needs to be two or n- more often two than not. I mean, Monologue Tax is a three mana spell. That slot is usually really crowded in decks. But if you're in a mono white deck, this is ramp. And this is something that you are desperately looking for. Um, even in like, you know, in a lore hold deck as well. I, I feel like this could be really good. It may also depend if your play group is the only kind that's just like play one thing, slam it down, play one thing, slam it down. Then then monologue tax, if it gets you no treasures on the turn you play it. Oh my gosh. Yeesh. That's never where you want to be. But, you might not, because if you play this on curve on three. Like at four, some people will just play a four drop. You know what I mean? Or they've ramped a little bit. They just play their five drop. They're curving out. I think you have to get to a little bit higher mana cost or play against specific decks for people to actively play two spells, especially when they have the option to just be like, oh, monologue tax. No, I'm not going to ramp you in the early game. Yeah, the the more competitive your play group is, the lower drops they're going to have. So that's going to definitely determine whether or not by turn four or five you're getting those one to two treasures as opposed to just like, oh, well, everyone just played one thing, so yeah. it didn't matter. The more competitive, though, I think the more reliable you want your ramp to be. Yeah, and again, when I say competitive, I don't think Mono White has much of a stake in that <laughs> world to begin with. Yeah. So, But I do see Monologue Tax. It just feels like another type of staple for White because they don't have many things that do this in mono white if i was in mono white i'd be running every single card like this that i could just to catch up to the other players even if they're a little clunkier mangara the new mangara right um where you if they play two spells you get to draw a card i've seen that trigger quite a bit mm-hmm. you know i've i've played that and i've felt pretty good uh, but i have not drawn cards a lot of the time like i uh, usually draw like one card every 
two times around the table. I and think people four avoid mana it. spell, right? It's a four mana spell. Drawing a card is better than creating a treasure, but I'm wondering how often people double spell, especially in the face of something like this. Well, the next time you're in your play group, just take note because this is something that like Jorian ruined diver decks. They're always trying to play more than one spell a turn. But if your play group literally is just playing on curve one spell each turn, then, then a card like Monologue Tax is going to get a lot worse. I think a lot of people are just going to slam this in their decks and it's not going to perform as well as they want it to. Uh, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't try it out and you shouldn't play it. Doesn't mean that's it can bad be either, good. Right? Yeah, I think it actually can be very good. Right. But I think that people are overhyping this. True. I, I can feel that. All right, next up, we got the Promise of Loyalty. It's four and white for a sorcery. Each player puts a vow counter on the creature they control and sacrifices the rest. Each of those creatures can't attack you or planeswalkers you control for as long as it has a vow counter on it. So people have been calling this Wrath of Goad because you're making sure that these creatures can't attack you. Now, Goad makes the creatures attack, but this is just sort of an interesting five-mana board wipe in a way. It's like a it's a very selective board wipe because you get to choose one creature you control and sack the rest, but so does everyone else. So they're going to keep their most important or best thing on the table. I like board wipes that you can make asymmetrical. That yeah. You can play against decks where everyone has, they just have a bunch of tokens and there's no creature that's way above the others. And a lot of times you might be playing a deck where you're like, I only care about this one creature. I only care about my commander, you know? Yeah, Tragic Arrogance slash the ranks, two very, very good board wipes. Tragic Arrogance is just one of my favorite board wipes and severely underplayed. Play that card. It is. I don't know why people don't play it so much. Hey, you know what? Don't, so that I can play it more and, and surprise you with it. You made a good point, though. This isn't going to get rid of the worst creature or the best creature on the board ever. It, it, opponents will always keep the thing that's the most important to them. And you made a good point, which is like, are those creatures necessarily the ones that swing at you or are they the ones with such great utility that it's an untapper or it's got an activated ability, then that, you know, it says these creatures can't attack you, but it can definitely use abilities against you. Yeah, I went on over to EDH Rec and looked at some of the more popular commanders out there. Um, Golos, Moldrotha, Kenrith, Kess, Sisse, Kaikar. Oh, yeah. Um, none of those care to attack you. Yeah. They just gain their value, like, just by being on the battlefield, by their activated abilities. Um, so it's going to have different, this is going to have different case uses in different decks and in different playgroups. Yeah, I'm even thinking of, like, Ailey, uh, which is all about life gain and using There's so many of them. abilities against you. And, yeah, target, I would say, like, Voltron heavy decks, yeah, for sure. I still like this a lot because those big creatures, if they are going to attack, they aren't going at you. So that does seem a little bit... I mean, a Voltron deck, this would be amazing. Yeah. Because they'd keep their Voltron commander. And they'd be like, thanks, cool. Like, just go at everyone else. And yeah, that would be amazing. Just sort of eye you down like, I'm coming for you. (laughs) Just not right now. I made a promise. All right. Next, we have a scholarship sponsor. Three and a white for a 3-3 creature human advisor. When scholarship sponsor enters the battlefield, each player who controls fewer lands than the player who controls the most lands searches their library for a number of basic land cards less than or equal to the difference. Put those cards onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Okay, so this is a catch-me-up spell for four mana. It's a creature, notably. I said this is the type of balance that isn't banned. Uh, You're making bold claims about balance there. (laughs) (laughs) Every single player gets to do this. So let's say you have one of those Josh-type players who's ramped out a billion times, has had a Thrasios activate five times, and they've got six more lands than everyone else at this point. This is a four-mana. Obviously, you have to play it yourself, but everyone that controls fewer lands gets to get all of their basic lands pretty much on the battlefield 
and put them on and catch up very quickly. I think it's great. And I think it is apt that you mentioned balance because I feel like white should be the balancing color. Right. You know, they should be sort of punishing the people that, you know, go too far ahead and like knock them down and bring up the other people for justice, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's equal here. Yeah. Um, and so I'm surprised there weren't more effects like this. And so I'm super glad to have scholarship sponsor. Yeah. And I think that's where Wizards has to be sort of pushing white into, right? With your secret rendezvous type of cards. Just wait for everyone to feel like white isn't just the only player at the table doing it there is some discernible benefit for other players as well yeah i think that also you can make this uh it feels very symmetrical but you can make this so it benefits you more than your opponents right uh jimmy uh how many basics do you play in a three or four color deck oh my gosh in a three color deck like six five to six at most sometimes and then yeah. in the four color deck that number goes down to like three just because you or four you just want one of each or something depending yeah a lot of times i will have like three to six like you mentioned um i have like a prismatic vista or something like that right. so i i want to be able to fetch a ba basic and so i want to have some redundancy there to fix my mana but for the most part like i'm very light on basic lands there's a good mm -hmm. chance that they people could play this and i could theoretically go searching for four lands and miss and fail to find at least yeah a couple, yeah um you wrote down avon mind sensor which stops opponents from searching their libraries pretty much except for the top few cards <laughs> they go four deep to try to get their yeah, stuff yeah to get all five <laughs> lands you need or whatever opposition sure. agent same idea uh, so there yeah. are ways Is this yeah, a May? everyone has to grab those lands and you get to grab them i think it's up to two as well so they can just go and find zero right but if you control if you control that person searching, this is not a May search. Okay, so you can search for your library for a number of basic lands less than or equal to the difference. So less than means you could search for zero. But if I opposition agent you, I control your search. Oh, and then you get to get as many as you want. So then I can go and get a... <laughs> opposition agent is so busted. Yeah, it is. Whenever, literally, like whenever something says search, I'm immediately like opposition agent. Yeah, I wish that card didn't exist sometimes. Okay, uh, I like this too. You wrote down cards like Squandered Resources, Zurin Orb, Strip Mine, Devastating Summons. These are all cards that you can get rid of your own lands. So I could see there being a really cool synergy here where you're playing a Boros deck or whatever with Devastating Summons or, or, or you're using a Zurin Orb to sack everything and then you're playing a Scholarship Sponsor after you flowed the mana, catching right back up to the same lands as before and you can do it all over again. Mm -hmm. I like that. Well, that does it for white. Good what job, do you, what white. Do you, what do you think of white? Uh, giving it an A for the first time in a very long time. Our Mancher's map, obviously nuts. Uh, I think Scholarship Sponsor and Monologue Text are both really good. And even Excavation Technique, I think, is really, yeah, really powerful. Yeah, well, I think also that I like Karnstrucks, so that's really good. Oh, the Dig Site Engineer. Yeah, yep. uh, the Dig Site Engineered. And uh, Promise of Loyalty, if if it's anything like some of the other five-minute selective board wipes, I think it's definitely playable. Yeah, Promise of Loyalty, sorry to bury the lead, is, is one of my favorite cards in this set. I just, I love the art. I love how big that one person's hand is. <laughs> And I, I like these kinds of board wipes. Did we literally just like name every card? It's so funny. Yeah, we just talked about every card. Yeah, except for a few. But that that's a great sign for white. It's a very positive sign for white. Thank you. The goodness. other cards that I didn't name too, like I have decks that I'm going to play them in. Yeah, Which totally. is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to blue. Let's see how busted it is this time around. The first card we have up is Commander's Insight. X, blue, blue, blue for an instant. Target player draws X cards plus an additional card for each time they've cast a commander from the command zone this game. Okay, so X, blue, 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 instant speed target player draws X cards. That right there is a playable card. It's Blue Sun Zenith. It's great. We play Blue Sun Zenith. Blue Sun Zenith uh, shuffles back into your deck, but sometimes you don't even want that. <laughs> yeah, and people use Blue Sun Zenith as a 
end game because you can target any player with this. So I could target DJ, I could target Josh, I could target Megan, doesn't matter. I can target them to draw X cards with infinite mana that instantly mills them out. Um, now, obviously, if you have partner commanders and they've both been cast, then if you cast this for X is equal to one, then you're going to draw three cards for four mana at instant speed. That's very great. good. That's great. If X is equal to two, you draw four for five and so on and so forth. If you have a solo commander then, then this acts much more like a blue sun zenith. Because you've cast it once, and then is X equal to one, then you draw two cards for four mana, which is not good. If X is equal to two, then you draw three cards for six mana, which is not as good as the sort of with both partners. So I think this would be great with a partner commander. I, I think so too. But ultimately, this is a rate we're used to. It's at instant speed. It's not embarrassing, even if you haven't cast your commander yet. Yeah, like people totally. play. This is a playable card, even without any of that commander text on there. So I think that uh, it's very playable. Uh, people like expels. They want to play with them. There are commanders that synergize with them that reduce the casting costs. Partner commanders, like you mentioned. Yeah. Just a great role player. Nothing, not like super splashy, but just great. Yeah, and even if you cash a commander once, you pay X is equal to two. That is drawing three cards for five mana. So that it's right, like it's right around the right rate. It's not fantastic. It's not as amazing as if you have partners, but it's still again an instant speed card draw spell in blue. You're going to hold your mana up in these colors anyway. So good times there. Great. Uh, I've got Curiosity Crafter over here. Uh, three and a blue for a three-three flying bird wizard. Hmm. You have no maximum hand size. Whenever a creature token you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Well, color me curious. Uh, that's interesting. Creature tokens dealing damage, drawing cards. We've seen this ability quite a bit. You just need to have enough tokens to trigger this a bunch, right? Yeah, but uh, I'm wondering how good the body is because would you rather have just a Coastal Piracy or a Thassa's Biden, Biden of Thassa or something uh, like that? Oh, right, because those cards do the same thing and just not on the creature. They Maybe just do it with any creature deals combat damage. Yeah. So. Maybe this is just redundant because it's, you know, creature token specifically does suck a little bit. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Unless you have decks that take, have tons of tokens. You're right. So like you mentioned like a Talran deck, for example, where they're, they do create a ton of little flying drakes. And so those are the ones that are going to trigger it anyways. Mm -hmm. Kaikar, Spells Fury, Alila, Artful Provocateur, I think that's the name, Orvar, the all form. These all make a bunch of tokens. And if they're attacking, especially Kaikar and Alila, because they can swing in the air, that means you are drawing a lot. So I could see this working in some decks, but like you said, maybe you're just better off playing any of the other cards that draw you for a card, regardless of the creature that's hitting them, not specifically. So yeah. this seems like maybe it's just a redundant piece in that deck. For sure. Okay, next up we got the Dazzling Sphinx. Three blue blue for a four five creature Sphinx with flying. Whenever Dazzling Sphinx deals combat damage to a player, that player exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile an instant or sorcery card. You may cast that card without paying his mana cost. Then that player puts the exile cards that weren't cast this way on the bottom of their library in a random order. So there's a very similar card to this called Chaos Wand, but in this Such case, it's doing the ability through combat damage. This card feels like it could be red. Three red red for like a dazzling dragon or something. Um, this is great. You know, you you get that chaos of red, which, by the way, it is like chaotic a little bit. I know what's going on mm -hmm. there, um, but it's fun. You get to cast things like people love this effect. And I love this effect. People play Atali and Thief of Sanity yeah. um, and love playing off your opponent's decks. Puckle and how then. Yeah. yeah. And this one, you know, it's going to hit, which is good. Yeah, you wrote down time stretch and the expropriate. Two amazing cards to hit with the Dazzling Sphinx. But like these are think about the commander playables. Like if you just hit a ramp spell fine right yeah but there are 
expropriates and time stretches in people's commander decks. Yeah, I like that you also wrote scheming symmetry, which is an amazing way for them to tutor <laughs> their best cards to the top of their library. Mm -hmm. And if it happens to be an instant or sorcery, then you're able to cast the Dazzling Sphinx, maybe give it haste, and then thwack them and steal it away from them. Even if you don't steal it away from them, you are getting it away from the top of their library. And even who cares if it's an instant or sorcery? They don't get access to that card that you schemed with them with. Yeah. Pretty uh, interesting. You wrote down uh, a little bit of equipment here. Oh, yes. The Blade of Selves. What if you <laughs> swung with all of them and cast all those instant and sorceries? <laughs> and then your commander is Vega the Watcher, which says whenever you cast a spell from anywhere other than your hand, draw a card. So you're drawing a ton of cards and casting just a billion different spells. Okay, Magical Christmas Land. That's where we found ourselves. <laughs> it is Magical Christmas Land, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to hit some with this. It's got evasion. It comes down pretty early. Yeah. Uh, and you can't really whiff. Like, it's not like you're going to hit a land and go, oopsie. Oh, right. Yeah. No matter what, you're going to hit an instant or sorcery. And chances are they're going to be pretty, pretty powerful. Just don't do it to the counterspell deck. That's not where you want to be. Oh, you're right. That's good. Good advice right there. Yeah. Or the the white deck that has Wrath of Gods. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. this, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm thinking about all the like the cantrips and the mana ramp and the expropriates, but there are like Wrath of Gods and yeah. counterspells and stuff like that At too. At least it's a May ability. You can miss. Okay. Inspiring refrain. Four blue blue for a sorcery. Draw two cards. Exile. <laughs> That's it. Ex <laughs> That's Ex it. Exile inspiring refrain with three time counters on it. Oh. It also has suspend three for two and a blue. This okay. is an interesting because suspend is weird. Let's let's talk this out so we know what's going on because there's right. kind of two modes to play this card. So should you decide to cast it normally, you're paying four blue blue and then blammo, you cast it, you draw three cards and then you exile it with three time two, counters on two it. Two cards, Jimmy. Oh, two. Oh, Six mana, draw two. Okay. Uh, maybe I don't want to talk about suspense <laughs> anymore. Anyway, after you've done casting it, it goes into exile with time counters on it. And every upkeep, you remove a time counter. When all have been removed, you can cast it, ignoring timing restrictions. Absolutely. So that's not a good rate. No. Six mana, Six draw mana? two. Ah. Okay. What about suspending this for three and then paying two and a blue? Okay. So even when you pay two and a blue, you can suspend this out of your hand for three mana, but you could also just cast Divination and not have to wait three turns or three upkeeps or get rid of all those time counters to cast it. That's right. But this will, after you draw two, once you draw the Divination, it can go in exile and you can draw a second Divination for three. Okay. It just takes six turns. Yeah. So if you're in the Commander game and we found that these games end around turns nine through 11, nine or 10, even if you cast this on turn three, that means you're only getting to cast this three total times maybe throughout the rest of the game. That doesn't seem great. Well, no, not three times, twice. Because you suspend it, you cast it on turn three, it's turn three. Oh, right. You suspend it, and then you, you have wait to wait three more six. turns. It's turn six by the time you draw two. Ugh. And then it's turn nine when you finally get your value that's better than a divination. Yeah, the game should and be over by that more. point. Yeah, you're only going to play this in a Joyra-type deck that's got clock spinning, ways to get rid of this. But even then, even then, you probably don't play it. Yeah. Sorry, um, sorry, gamers. I, I really wanted to like it. I really did because I do like suspend and I thought yeah. it's interesting to suspend and keep drawing cards. I thought that would be cool, but they didn't push it enough. It is very similar to a cycle from Future Sight, which has almost identical text, but across five different cards, which is Arcblade, Chronomantic Escape, Cyclical Evolution, Festering March, and Reality Strobe. Our editor just went, Jimmy, why, why, why did you make me pull up five different cards? Just to show you that this has existed before, and you don't see any of those being played in Commander. And you need to pull them up, because I don't know what any of those do. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the same thing, but guess what the red one does instead of dealing, drawing cards? Deals damage. Deals damage. Yeah, 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 yeah. The green one gives some plus three, plus three, blah, blah, blah. All right, moving on to the last card, or not the last card, the last card before the mineral break. It's Muse Vortex. 
is what we like to call a trap card in Yu-Gi-Oh. This is X blue blue for a sorcery. Exile the top X cards of your library. You may cast an instant or sorcery spell from among them with mana value X or less without paying its mana cost. Then put the exiled instant and sorcery cards that weren't cast this way into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Okay. I right. like what you did here. You got scientific. Yes, I got scientific. Or I got unscientific. Super scientific. Super scientific. I grabbed my Spells Matter deck and was like, let's try, try to draw some cards. Okay. Yeah. So ultimately, when I my instant sorcery deck has about a third instance in sorceries. Okay. okay? So like 33. Which is a, yeah, which is a huge saturation. Yeah. You know. Okay. So if I were to draw three cards off of this or pay three into X, then I would statistically be likely to draw one. One, right, because okay. is those incident sorceries are a third of your deck. So that's a five mana draw one. Uh-oh, not sounding good. But when you draw two, oh, wait, it has to be CMC three or less. Ooh. It, to cast it for free. Right. Yeah, so like, and then not all the time when I were to draw that one, could I even cast it for free? Maybe if I was guaranteed the ability to cast it for free or ever even cheat on mana, mm -hmm. then it might actually like regain some of that. But honestly, like in every situation that I tried, even getting really big amounts of mana, um, it wasn't drawing and playing out the way that I wanted to. The only way uh, that it could actually start being okay is when I started cheating that X. Uh, okay. Know? So Mizics of the Is Magnus is a great way to do that, obviously, by lowering that X spell totally. Um, Zaxar, the exemplary, likes X spells and can pump some mana into it. Yeah. Even when I was putting things like, like just imagine six, six into this. Uh -huh. So this is six blue, blue, eight mana. Okay. okay. Again, when we're talking about a third of my deck is instance and sorceries i'm hitting two spells Ooh. for that and yeah i can cast one of them for free so but does this need to be in a deck where you're running like 50 percent cards that are instance or sorceries because i do like that you don't have to put everything on the bottom of your library you get to draw those cards into your hand so that does seem like a little more exciting this is also a sorcery by the way don't tell anyone yeah but just compare it to the card value that you get from commanders inside Right. You're guaranteed to draw the cards. You may not whiff ever because you're drawing the cards. Muse Vortex does have a chance to just whiff if you're going like three or less. That sure. feels bad. Totally. Um, there are there are some cheaty things to do. Um, just imagine if you were running Ancestral Vision in your deck. Ah, so it has a spend on it, but it has a CMC of zero so that you could actually play play like x is equal to one and cast it like that yeah um what if you have top deck manipulation you have top you have scroll rack you have mystical yeah. tutor brainstorm jace all of that stuff so i can see how in the exact right deck this could be fine <laughs> Ugh, i thought you were gonna say better than fine but yeah fine oh, no, is right I think about it's there just fine honestly you know, Epic Experiment is a card that I think all of us at some point have looked at and gone, this is it. This is the game-winning card that I could play, but it never actually pans out. And I don't know if Muse Vortex, even though you draw the cards into your hand, makes the difference. Yeah, because Epic Experiment, like, you just play it for big and then you play all of the spells mm -hmm. even though this can get you those other cards it's a little bit of a fail safe to get the cards that you miss on yeah. into your hands just hitting instants and sorceries it just doesn't end up being good enough in the last game nights I believe I was a I was ready to cast this spell potentially that or I bottomed it I'm not sure but I was having my big turn before I got murdered by Josh and I was like I'm so close maybe I'm gonna cast Music Vortex I forget if I even kept it on top or bottomed it that, that how, goes to show I love how Jimmy was like was like I was it was my big moment and I bottomed it because it yeah. just wasn't good enough if, even, even if i didn't bottom it i could totally see a moment where and i did this in another game that's where i did x is equal to like eight and got like two things off it and i was like that sucks 
I just paid all this mana that's, into a but spell. But that's likely. That's likely in a third of your of your cards. Right. Like you could get three or two, and that's totally expected. You have to be okay yeah. with that scenario. Yeah, I think you have to be running an absurd amount of instants and sorceries in your deck, or be able to cheat cards out, like or cheat mana costs like crazy to make this really good. Mm-hmm. Okay, before we get on to the rest of blue, including some very powerful cards in black after that, we got to take a quick mineral break and hear from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, welcome back, everyone. We are covering the C21 cards, but how they work in your 99 from Strixhaven. Let's move on to the rest of blue. What we got? Yeah, we got a few blue cards left. We've got a perplexing test. Oh, Three blue-blue for an instant. Choose one. Return all creature tokens to their owner's hands. Return all non-creature tokens to their owner's hands. Hey, it's like evacuation, right? So this basically bounces everything at instant speed for five mana. Almost everything. Kills all the tokens. Kills all the tokens. It's like, hey, you guys got tokens over there? Gone. You guys got creatures over there? Gone. Um, Evacuation is playable. Oh, it's very playable. Anything that even smells like Cyclonic Rift in this format is playable. And Perplexing Test has a faint whiff of Cyclonic Rift. Yeah, because Cyclonic Rift is one-sided. Bounce all all of your stuff and not my stuff. And if you do leverage the token, non-token thing, where you have a lot of tokens and they don't, then it can feel Cyclonic Rift-y. Yeah, like Taurand. You're going to bounce your Taurand, but also all of their non-tokens, and you keep your tokens that are all tutus. Uh, If someone's swinging at you with a thousand Kiki-Jiki tokens, you get to say no to that. That's kind of cool. I think people are going to riot in the comments that we compared this to Cyclonic Rift. (laughs) Yeah, like, (laughs) excuse me, no. No thanks. But I, I do think that it could be a very good card and evacuation is is reason enough to give this a try. Yep. I want to see Josh play this in his Orvar deck because he's making tons of token oh, copies. Oh, you're things. right. That's awesome. Yeah. Although this is creatures specifically, so that is a little different. That is a little interesting there. Okay. You'll play it if you like that bouncing stuff. Next up is replication technique. Four in the blue for a sorcery with demonstrate. And it says create a token that's a copy of target permanent you control. Again. Demonstrate means that when you cast a spell, you can choose to copy it. And if you do, another opponent gets to do so as well. And the players can choose new targets for their copies. So this could mean up to three copies of target permanents. So five mana sorcery, create a token that's a copy of target permanent you control. Seems like it might be good in like the Sakashima deck, uh, where you can make a lot of legendary copies of things. I actually like this. Speaking of uh, Cyclonic Rift, Rift the board, 
play a replication technique and then have someone copy it because they get to copy a land and you get to copy two sweet things on your board because you just rifted. By the way, copying a land is not something that we should like look down on because oh, this, yeah. could, could this be the blue ramp spell? You know, <laughs> five mana, five mana, ramp two lands. Hey, and then someone else gets an insane copy of the permanent. <laughs> they get another consecrated sphinx or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is interesting. It's definitely tempting to always want to do this because for five mana as a sorcery speed, it doesn't seem amazing. But if you get to cast this twice, and then you make sure that your opponent doesn't do anything too crazy with it. Maybe all the demonstrate cards are like, hey, I will give this to you to demonstrate as long as you promise to not copy that. Or sometimes you just have something good enough that you just need extra copies of it. Right. right. Like, you know, um, Biovisionary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Or you're in that deck, what's it, uh, Persistent Partitioners? You know, you can make three, two more of those, and then boom, you're off to town. You are you know, milling everyone a, out. Yeah, there's a lot of decks where creating a token and you're doubling up your tokens, you're leveraging that, you need extra copies of a creature, can just be really, really good. So yeah. I can see this seeing a lot of play. Okay, I like it. Sly Instigator. Three and a blue for a 2-4 human wizard. Blue tap. Until your next turn, target creature and opponent controls can't be blocked. Goad that creature. Ah, so it must attack that next combat and it cannot attack you. Uh, and it, it makes it unblockable. Yeah, that's right. It's, it has a player other than you if able. Um, forcing like combat's I cool. I like goad. I like goad. Forcing like combat's goad. really cool. Yeah, I, I do like goad, but... You made a really good point when we were talking about this in the other room, which is like, yeah, you can goad that creature, but what if you wanted to get rid of that creature by forcing it to attack? It was like some really powerful 2-2. It was like their Oracle of Moldiah, but now it's an unblockable Oracle of Moldiah. You yeah. wanted to have it jump into one of your opponent's creatures. But I no. goad utility creatures all the time. I try to goad them in, and oftentimes Ugh. your opponents can block them and kill them, and so this could have been a removal spell, but instead takes a little bit of a different route. I mean, yeah. maybe you're, I mean, best case scenario, what if you uh, go to an Eldrazi or something like that? That ah. could, could be a scenario out there, you know? Yeah, unblockable, that makes it even scarier. Um, or you go like, I don't know, a Blightsteel Colossus or something. I don't know. For me, I, I was, I'm with you here. Four mana, it's a lot for a creature that you can't use immediately unless you have haste. I'm not a huge fan of this because I'm not a you huge can't. Fan the goading is fun, but you're right. What if you just wanted that creature to die? Yeah, I think that this is a good point of comparison. Is a card that is severely underplayed that I love, Bloodthirsty Blade. Ah, uh, yes. It's an artifact. It can go on anything. It costs one to go on it, and it stays on it. So if they keep attacking with that Eldrazi. You don't have to keep activating this every single turn. Yeah. It's a little bit more resilient uh, and it can get rid of those utility creatures. I, I just think it does the job better. It does. And it's, you can play in any deck, like you said. Yeah. Um, four mana pay one to sort of solve a creature feels kind of like an icy manipulator a little bit. Uh, it locks it down, but in this case it forces the combat. So, yeah. so, but like icy manipulator is not like, a good card that we see play a lot, you know? Now, I could, again, if your play group's like all Voltron all the time, then yeah, Sly Instigator is going to do some Sly work. It looks like he's holding the Game Knights logo, but it's not. It's the thing is that Voltron decks too, they're oftentimes given Hexproof and Shroud, and then it doesn't even work. Sly Instigator is just sitting there being like, ah, poop. <laughs> it's trying to be Sly, but the other person's just like, nah, I got these boots on. Yeah, I got these boots <laughs> on. I'm flying. I'm literally protection from you, Instigator. Okay. I love this next card, though. It's called Spawning Kraken. Five in the blue for a 6-6 six, six creature Kraken. Whenever a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent you control deals combat damage to a player, create a 9-9 nine, nine blue Kraken creature token. Release the Kraken! Yeah, all right. So this goes into the decks that you know exactly which decks this goes into. It's Aesi, 
because uh, it cares about those things. Uh, you, you, I didn't even realize this first thing. Coma's coils, everyone's favorite coma. <sighs> they are serpents. Yes, more serpents. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine, right? You have like an army of three threes. All of them swing in. This is whenever one of them deals combat damage. So each of those will trigger and make you a nine nine. Insane. Wow. Coma. I mean, coma, it, coma, coma. Yeah. Comedian. It could go with Slim Voda because that sort of bounces yep. all of your all of the non octopuses and krakens and stuff like that. Yep, same you, as Whelming Wave yeah, that you wrote down Whelming here. Wave. Serpent of Yawning Death. So that's pretty much the suite of the Kraken Leviathan Octopus Serpent deck. Uh, the Sea Monsters deck, as it were. This has gotten just more and more support over time, and Spawning Kraken just seems like one of those really fun auto-includes. Totally. Yeah. Do you think, now, we mentioned a lot of sea tribal-y stuff. Does this go in any deck besides those? Um, maybe if you're just being Vorthos about it and you want to play, what's that Planeswalker that loves Kraken? Kiora. Kiora, yeah. You're doing a Kiora-type deck because she can make those 9-9s. There's also that one enchantment, the Saga one that makes it at the very end. Kiora battles that the, sea the Sea Gods? Yeah. Like that? Yeah. So I could see it in there. I could also just see, like, let's say there's some decks that I make where I'm like, all right, I don't know what to do for my big game enders. I'm just going to put in Krakens, Leviathans, Octopuses, and Serpents. And then spawning Kraken seems pretty fun there. Because it's still a 6 mana 6-6 six, six at the end of the day. You've made a lot of good reasons to, to like this card. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm on board. It's just fun board. and dumb. Yeah, I like it. Big fun and dumb. My favorite kind of magic <laughs> card. <laughs> all right, we got Theoretical Duplication. Two at a blue for an instant. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under an opponent's control this turn, create a token that's a copy of that creature. Okay. So this seems like a lot of value here, obviously, because it's whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield. So if an opponent's putting out a lot of creatures, right, then you get to get all of them? Or you get copies of all of them, right? Well, it's non-token creature enters the battlefield and an opponent's control this turn. Okay, so you can do it at instant speed. Yes. You can copy a bunch of things if they're so, getting multiple things. So you're in. right. If they're getting multiple things, usually if they're casting a creature, it's very difficult to get multiple things. You get one thing. But there are times when multiple creatures enter the battlefield. Things like Primal Surge, Ooh. Tooth and Nail, living, living Death. Well, that is if you don't lose to the... To, wait, if you Tooth and Nail their infinite combo, do you get it first? Whenever active player, non-active player. Ah, uh, no, you don't. Because they are entering the battlefield, and then you're saying, wait, enters the battlefield, and you put this in before, and you would do it on the cast of Tooth and Nail, so that when it comes in, this triggers, and then you get it. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe you get it before. Big Brain Jimmy is like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Living Death, though. That is pretty sweet. Living Death is pretty cool. You only get copies, though. Ah, Okay. It's not like you steal, like you've undone all the work that they've done. They get it as well, yeah. You know? But if the three mana as an, as an instant, I could just still see this working just if you, an opponent has an amazing enter the battlefields creature that has a good ability on it. Yeah, I could see you playing this just as a value. Like, oh, I like that creature. I'll take it too. Yeah. But I don't think that it... Um, I think that it ends up being a little bit worse than just a normal clone, you know, because right. normal clone, you can just look at the battlefield when you want to cast it and then cast it, you know, like stunt double is a clone with flash. Yeah. You don't want to hold this up and not do anything with it. Yeah. Like, so I know that stunt double costs one more, but you know, if you compare the two, is that one more and the flexibility of being able to cast it at any time, not having to hold it up and respond to what your opponents do, is that is that worth it? Yeah, you know? anytime you put the power in someone else's hands, you have to consider whether and how often that's going to happen. And it, otherwise, you're playing this in a deck like, you know, one that just wants to cast only instance of sorcery. So at least you have, oh, I have a card draw spell instead of having to hold it theoretical duplication. Yeah, um, and then uh, whenever you reactive, like you mentioned, you remove flexibility, you know? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you have to wonder, well, if they're playing something really, really good, would I rather just have counterspelled it? Ooh, that's a really good point. Because they still end up with a creature at the end of it. Yeah. 
Ah, good point indeed. You also wrote Brudeclad. Brudeclad! Telcor Engineer would love this card. And I, I kind of agree because if you're playing Brudeclad and someone plays an Avenger of Zendikar and you theoretical duplication it, you get a token right. copy of Avenger. You get all the one, 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 uh, zero, 01 tokens. And then on your turn, if you play a land, those zero, 01 tokens go to one twos. Play two lands, they go to two threes. And then if you switch them into Avenger of Zendikar because they're, that's a token that you have, then they're five fives with two plus one plus one counters on it. They won't come seven sevens. You've broken it, Jimmy. I've broken it. You've broken, you're broken, Commander. So glad that I'm here. <laughs> all right, those are all the blue cards. What do you think about blue? I actually like it less than white, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it which is, is awesome. really awesome because I, I think that there are some cards that do things that other cards do better. Like I've seen it and be like, oh, like evacuation. You know, this is like evacuation. Right. You know, uh, this is like Blue Sun Zenith. You know, um, this is like Tempt with Reflections. Tempt with Reflections, yeah. yeah. So like, this is like Bloodthirsty Blade, uh, but it felt like all the other ones that we were comparing it to is like a tiny bit better or a tiny bit worse. And it's not really bringing the new, like the new mono white divin, you know, divination, yeah. Kadama's Reach, crazy stuff, right? Sounds like wizards might be listening and they might be thinking about the fact that white's got to catch up and the other players and the other colors can't be speeding ahead like they have in the past. Shout out to Dazzling Sphinx. Dazzling Sphinx, yeah, that's it's pretty cool. I like that. Okay, let's move on to black. First up, we have the author of Shadows, also known as Brandon Sanderson. He's uh, always hanging out behind us on, on our set here. Four in the black for a 3-3 Shade Warlock. When author of Shadows enters the battlefield, exile all cards from all opponents' graveyards. Choose a non-land card exiled this way. You may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. Boom! Five mana for a creature like this? I'm in. I'm in too. Gaunti is a very playable card, and this doesn't do the exile your, your graveyard things. This is sweet. Five mana to get rid of everyone's graveyards, and then you can cast their best spell out of there? Yeah, it has more control than Gaunti, because Gaunti is great, and we love it. You know, yeah. we're not going to trash talk Gaunti, but it only goes four deep, right? Right. Um, this can hit anything in any graveyard. It's in your opponent's graveyards, and good. neutralizes their graveyards, too. Yeah. Remember, handle your opponent's graveyards, please. Because if you don't, you're going to feel the bad side of it when they just completely go nuts and they're dredging something and they just got this massive thing and you're they're doing all crazy things with it author of shadows big sweep gets rid of all of it at once yeah, i guarantee that your opponents are using their graveyard in some way graveyard synergies is awesome i'm i'm a huge fan yeah this card just seems like it's imminently playable in any black deck you would be hard pressed to find a reason not to play it because you need graveyard hate and this comes with card advantage on top i i think it's great one thing that makes me like it not like it a little less, but you need to be aware of is that right. if you do have sort of value engines that flicker it or bring it back from the graveyard, it's hard to get that card's worth of value over and over again because you've exiled everything you want. You know, right. the first time you play it, you have the pick of everyone's graveyard and it's awesome. If you sack it and bring it back or something like that, then you only have what's in the graveyard now. Or maybe you, know? you do it early and then wait later, 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 and then you reanimate it at the right time or flicker at the right time. Oh, so. for sure. I mean, I th still think it's great. If you can find a way to flash this in in response to someone trying to target something in their graveyard, then you win the game. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy. You just win the game. <laughs> good good achievement right there, Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. Tweet at Jimmy when you do it. Will do. Uh, maybe. Maybe I might get a lot of tweets and realize the monsters I've made. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, we have Blight Mound. Two and a black for an enchantment. Attacking pests you control get plus one plus O and have Menace. Ooh. Whenever a non-token creature you control dies, create a one, one black and green pest creature token with when this creature dies, you gain one life. Okay. So this is a pest maker that gives them plus one plus O and menace Menace when they're attacking. 
And then anytime a non-token creature you control dies, it makes one. So when this gets played, the only downside, I think, is that nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Something needs to die, and it needs to be a non-token creature. So that means their own. That means this thing doesn't go infinite with its own pests, right? It will make a 1-1 one, one die and make another one. So it has to be a non-token creature. But still, this seems like it's not bad. How many pests do you want to get off of that for this to be worth its card? A few, maybe more. Two, three? Two, three, yeah. Maybe three. Maybe I think four. three, I'm happy. I think I'm happy if you're playing this in an Aristocrats deck because you're already incidentally draining all of their life. Now, the pests would be incredible if they drained the life and gained you one when they died. <laughs> oh, but, Jimmy. But in this case, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of those Aristocrats decks just want creatures dying. And your own creatures are going to die because your opponents are going to target it. They do not want that Zulaport cutthroat on the battlefield. Blight Mound's going to make you some pests. And the best part is, if you have like five two ones attacking with Menace, how many of those are you realistically blocking? Yeah, like you're... You don't have enough creatures to do so. No way. And a lot of times in these decks, you don't care. Like these are disposable creatures that you can just throw away. And when they die, great, awesome. They gain, they drain life and gain you life. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times in these types of decks, this little bit of chip damage that you get in ends up being really valuable because you are trying to pressure your opponent's life total by little drains here and there. So the the Menace and the plus one plus O are relevant. Yeah. Do you need other pests pest cards in your deck to have this work? No. I don't think so, not at all. It's sort of like Bastion of Remembrance, a very similar type card that's two in the black. That does give you a token when there is the battlefield, but I could see Blightmound just having a nice place in a lot of those decks. Plus, board white protection, you can make, make a lot of pests, and they all have menace, and then they're definitely coming in for that damage afterwards too, right? Yeah, so cards like Pawn of Ulamog, uh, Tesa Orzov Cylon, those are, those are cards that can play a similar role. You have to wonder whether this being an enchantment is a good thing because it's harder to interact with, or whether... You'd rather be a creature because it works with your other synergies, like your Zulaport Cutthroat, like your yeah. Blood Artist and stuff like that. So, so there's some strengths for it being an enchantment and some weaknesses. Yeah, the the careful balance when it, when you're making token decks is to make sure that you have enough non-token creatures that can die to even make Blight Mount start to do its thing. Absolutely. Okay, next up we got the Bold Plagiarist. Don't be this person, by the way, if you're a student. Plagiarism is just a bad idea. It's one of the quickest ways for you to fail a class. A message from Jimmy. Yeah. Don't cheat. Don't cheat. I mean, if you're going to cheat, at least do it in a way that people can't tell you plagiarized it, right? Don't be so bold about it like this person. Oh, yeah. That is pretty bold, huh? Yeah. Three and a black for a 2-2 with a vampire rogue with flash. Whenever an opponent puts one or more counters on a creature they control, they put the same number and kind of counters on bold plagiarist. See, this is why plagiarism is bad, because this card is bad. <laughs> uh, I really wanted to like this card, Jimmy, but I'm out. I really wish... Why well, couldn't it have just stolen it? You right. know what I mean? Like, right. There's Thief of Blood that steals that sort of stuff, but this... You're right. It just kind of just... It's four mana to flash it out, and it's not like, ha, I gotcha. It's like, ha, I made my bull plagiarist kind of big too. Like, I could see this be as a white card and be like, hey, we can be friends. And okay. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, we're both friends. Let's share the counters. No, like, you're played, you steal the counters. You're yeah, in black. it should have been bold. Ah. What's it? What's not plagiarism? What, a bold stealer? Stealer? Bold, bold stealer. Bold robber? Bold robber? Yeah. Bold thief, <laughs> I guess. Jeez. Yeah, this doesn't make me feel good because, like, I would want, imagine this. If a planeswalker takes up and you use this and it's already on the battlefield, it's not like it steals the planeswalker loyalty or gives this more. Now you just put a random loyalty on your bold plagiarism. Yeah, it doesn't seem good to me at all. There are situations where you can use the counters on it. Raw. There are situations where your opponents play crazy things. Like uh, if you're 
friends have a Cathril aspect warper deck, uh, and they've gone through a bunch of of hoops to get uh, indestructible, an, an indestructible counters, counter, yeah, a yeah, lifelink yeah. counter, and all this other stuff. Then I could see bold plagiarists being a huge blowout, but they still have their creature. And you have to wait for someone to play Cathril to make this good. No, no, thank you. Four mana, black can do better than that. Absolutely. Uh, let's take a look at cunning rhetoric. Two out of black for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent attacks you and or one or more planeswalkers you control, exile the top card of that player's library. You may play that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend a mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. Okay, I like this card. You attack me. Yeah. Uh, I have this out, and I take the top card of the top card. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, stolen strategy type stuff. Those cards are very playable. I I think this is kind of cool, but I feel like I feel like you don't, DJ. I want to like this. I really really do. Uh, I do like that it's play, so you can play lands, Uh, not just cast. That's that's good. I like that. Um, But I've run into a card that's very, very similar to this. Uh, One of my first preview cards was Ever Watching Threshold. You're going to have to read this on screen because... I d- does not see a lot of play. It's basically the same thing, but your opponents get to, you get to draw a card. Exactly. Two in a blue, right? you attack me with any number of creatures, I get to draw a card. Okay. Okay. That, um, it I feels, would actually say that's pretty good too, but I guess it's not. You tried to make it work, it didn't do it? It didn't, it honestly didn't work. The way that it oh, actually no. played out is it did have some people not attack me. Okay. You know, uh, people did not come in and attack me for two or three damage or anything like that. Um, and so it did deter some attacks and that's, partially what this is all about right like this is in the orzov deck you want to make sure like funnel attacks other places right i feel feel a butt coming on yeah but what ended up happening was that (laughs) once someone decided that they did want to attack me what they did is they attacked me with all of their creatures they're Ah. like they're like okay well i need to attack that planeswalker i want to attack you i'm already giving you a card whether i attack you with one creature or my entire board, I might as well attack you with my entire board. Yeah, that's not good, right? If it actually incentivizes them to hit you with more than they would have otherwise. That's what ended up happening, is that like, like they're like, eh, I won't attack you with this elf, I won't attack you with this elf, or whatever like that. But then when they decided that I was the highest life total and I wasn't attacked for a while, they're just like, oh, I'll attack you with everything in the mid or late game. And it's like, right. oh my gosh, I would have taken that elf damage. And Cunning Rhetoric doesn't give you a card for each attacking creature, it's just one instance of it. The just one instance is... It's, it's crazy. It drives you crazy. I will say, though, that I think a lot of players out there do not like it when other players use their deck or play their cards. So I could see in some playgroups that being a bigger deterrent. Um, but you do raise a good point, which is, this is a two in the black potentially do-nothing enchantment if they're just going to swing at you with everything and knock you down to such a low, precarious life total that it doesn't matter that one card you get from them. I'm going to play this in my, uh, of them. I forget what it's called. Send triplets. <laughs> You got there, got there. Yeah, there it is. It's flavorful in Send Triplets, and it's flavorful in a lot of other decks that like want to play with your opponent's deck. Yeah. yeah. All right, next up we have Essence Pulse. Three and a black for a sorcery. You gain two life. Each creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the amount of life you've gained this turn. Okay, so this is kind of like a Toxic Deluge type effect, but it costs four mana and requires you to gain two life at the very minimum. You gain two it's life. Like an you can, you get minus, yeah, minus two, minus two. But requiring you to gain life to make this better means you have to jump through an extra hoop. And Toxic Deluge is obviously is not a super accessible card. It's yeah. one that is hard to get for Maybe a lot of players. Maybe mutilate, where it's equal to the number of swamps you have. Yeah. You know? yeah so yeah, oftentimes yeah. in a mono black deck, you're playing this at four, and you're getting minus four, minus four. Maybe in a gain life deck, you're reliably 
draining from it. Yeah. I don't know. We were talking about all these other black board wipes like mutilate, like toxic deluge, you know, the classic damnation. And it seems like all of those are way more reliable than this one. Yeah. It doesn't feel that great. Now, maybe this is in your amazing, you know, Orzhov life gain deck. This is just another version of toxic deluge, which isn't bad, right? Like in that case, I'm, I'm kind of down for playing it because you can my sex, my sex, and that kills a lot of things that are hard to get rid of otherwise. But at the same time, it seems like it's a pretty crowded slot. Damnation might just be better. Yeah, I think that the one way that you would want to use this is almost like you do Toxic Deluge. It's selectively killing things mm. where you can control what dies on your board versus what dies on your opponent's board. Um, I'm thinking like a, a Karlov deck where your Karlov is really big. You can gain a lot of life and then sort of wipe away what mm-hmm. your opponents are doing anyways. Or if you're extorting a bunch, you can choose, okay, I'm only going to extort twice this turn. So I get minus four, minus four. Kind of cool. Yeah, I can see that. So a little bit more selection, but man, that's some clunky selection. It is clunky, yeah. Yeah. Toxic Deluge just works so much better, and that's obviously why it's a commander staple. Essence Pulse, a couple more hoops to jump through, but it could be great in your deck, just depending. All right. Incardation Technique. Four and a black for a sorcery. It's got Demonstrate. Mill five cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Hey, I'm kind of down with that, because if you demonstrate against the Mizzix deck... They got no creatures returned, and you just did two, and you milled 10 cards for five mana. That is actually a very good rate for mill. Yeah, actually, you brought up the, the mill aspect, and that does more than we think in a lot of different decks. There are commanders that love mill, um, Sir Conrad. Oh, Sir uh, Conrad does so great with this card. Yeah, uh, Marin of Clan Neltoth has tons of creatures to put in there. You right. want to get them back. You sometimes really want to get uh, creatures in your graveyard. A chainer. Yep. You know, yep. so the milling could be a bigger deal than we're letting on. Um, five mana return two creatures. Yeah, that's good. As long as you don't have an opponent that can just make you cry because you targeted them and they milled something insane. Uh, I think it's a fine... I mean, here's the thing. Ever After is six mana. Like, at six mana, we can get two creatures reliably, and sometimes we can get more. Like, right. a Command the Dread Horde can get... Every single one if you have enough life, yeah. (laughs) A ton of stuff. This also can't hit your opponent's graveyards. So some of the better... Oh, you're right. Some of the better, which is actually okay because then I think it'd mess with demonstrate a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I get two and you get two. Which one are we getting? And yeah, his yeah, thing is and stuff like that. Um, so there are some reanimation spells out there that are a little bit cheaper, which means that they're more flexible. They can hit every graveyard, which is a little bit more flexible. Mm-hmm. But I'm... I'm okay with this, and I like it, and I think that I would definitely mill 10 and get two creatures back. Mill 10? Mill 10 for five? Not bad. All right, next up, we got the Keen Duelist, one in the black for a 2-2 creature human wizard. At the beginning of your upkeep, you and target opponent each reveal the top card of your library. You each lose life equal to the mana value of the card revealed by the other player. You each put the card you revealed into your hand. So this is a two-mana spell that at the beginning of your upkeep, you and the opponent both get to draw the card off the top of your library. But depending on what the CMC or mana value is of that card, DJ's losing life based on mine, and I'm losing life based on DJ's. Uh, this harkens back to Dark Confidant. Bob. Bob. People call it Roberta. Roberta? Yeah, it does kind of... <laughs> maybe Bob's behind her, you just can't tell. It's a new, it's a different version of him. Yeah, Um. but drawing cards is great. I really like the fact that you can sort of aim damage at your opponents. Mm-hmm. What do you think about giving your opponents the card, though? 
I don't like that at all, but maybe it's fine because you're going to kill them with the giant CMC card to reveal, right? Maybe? Okay, so you think that you want to manipulate your top deck a little bit, have higher CMC cards in your library to have the damage matter to make this card playable for you. And I only thought about that because you mentioned it to me and I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> this is where Roberto is a little bit better. People play Dusk Mantle Seer, which has a similar effect. Everyone draws cards, everyone, everyone draws takes one, damage yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, This is, is two mana though, which is pretty good. I mean, at the very least you could choose them on a white player or the player that really needs it. Maybe you make a really good friend out of them. That's true. I mean, there's there's a lot of political room to be done here. And uh, you can choose them on a white player, that white weenie player. And, yeah. they, you know, maybe don't take very much damage and you deal some damage to them. Yeah. I think you kind of want to be a damage dealing deck. Like you want to pressure their life total um, rather than having this be like a, just a card advantage engine, just kind of like a, you know, another. It's going to hurt the card I reveal. So. Yeah, like another Phyrexian Arena. Yeah, but in this case, you wrote down like Yuriko the Tiger's Shadow, which is basically doing this, one blue and the black for that card. And then Belby Corrupted the Observer because you want to get, right? You want to get that life Belby loss wants, out wants creatures early. that attack. They want people to lose life. They want to get on the board early, but they also produce a ton of colorless mana and a lot of times have just old Drowsy chilling in their deck. Just chilling. Yeah. yeah, same goes for the Rakdos Lord of the Riots deck because it's trying to cheat out mana. And it's trying to deal damage. You can't get Rakdos out unless damage has oh, been dealt. Oh, yeah. So this gets it out, right? As early just, as turn three if you have yeah, the right cards just out, Just immediately right? gets it out and then you can have that flip over that gigantic creature that you've been casting yeah, for cheap. Powerful. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Right here, we have Marshland Bloodcaster. Hmm. Four and a black for a 3-5 Vampire Warlock. This got flying. And for one and a black and tap, rather than pay the mana cost of the next spell you cast this turn, you may pay life equal to that spell's mana value. Okay, this is a very black effect in magic. We've seen this now with Kirik, son of Yogmoth. You want to pay life for stuff and it's going to help you draw some cards. Is Kirik a good card? I think it's a pretty darn good card. I think card. it's a pretty good card. Pretty, pretty darn good card. So Yogmoth don't make bad sons. No, Yogmoth <laughs> does not. Anything related to that guy. Woof. Uh, Bolas's Citadel, same thing. Oh, yeah. Um, life for, man, life for cards is mm-hmm. a very powerful effect now that you're mentioning all these other things. Yeah, Marceline Bloodcaster though, that's, lets you do it out of your hand. It does require you to pay for a five mana spell and then wait probably a turn to then pay one in the black to tap it and only do it once. Huh. I'm less enthused now that you mentioned that play pattern. Yeah, I mean, it, it costs seven mana to get your first spell out for without paying its manic value. So this does make me feel like it's not as good. So now I need to activate this like more than twice, I think. To really get the full value. Yeah, because yeah. the next one is nine. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like to Nine total. Two, nine yeah. total for two spells and you lost a bunch of life. Yeah, and does the spell have to be really big for it to be good or are you just trying to get like one in the black tap this pay for a five CMC spell or a three CMC spell because you're saving a little bit of mana there. So I, I think having it be a tap ability and pay mana for it on top really lowers its power level quite a bit for me. But it could see play, I think, in the Carrick deck, but you probably have a lot of other options that are better. This does not work with X spells, right? Because the mana value and the mana value of, of X yes, spells is yeah. the... You, you, unfortunately, X would be equal to zero, I believe. Yeah, I believe so too. That's a bummer. All right, moving on. Stinging Study, four in the black for an instant. You draw X cards and you lose X life, where X is the mana value of a commander you own on the battlefield or in the command zone. Okay, so... Has to be a commander you own. You can't steal someone else's commander and then cast this. But for four and a black, if you have Scion of Ur-Dragon out, <laughs> or the Ur-Dragon, not Scion, the Ur-Dragon, blam, while you're drawing a ton of cards, losing a ton of life. Uh, well, you picked one of the most, like, the biggest commanders that you can have. Yeah. I mean, did you play this if you have the normal Scion of the Ur-Dragon? Like, the, like do you play it if you can draw five? Five mana, uh, draw five? 
yeah, that seems pretty good. Fate 5 Life. In black, at least, it seems like the exact normal rate for like Necropotence and stuff, right? Well, uh, I wrote down a promise of power. Uh, five mana, draw five. You know, there's also some other text on oh, there, but that's not a staple, huh? Uh, Wretched Confluence is I've paid five mana at instant speed to draw three and lose three. Okay. You know, yeah, so yeah, I've yeah. done that before. You mentioned Necropotence, and I think that that's what we kind of have to think about this, like a one-time Necropotence. So I think that in Necropotence, I want to like draw fresh hand like i want to draw seven uh-huh. you know that's so, a good number not like 25 or that one yeah did that many yeah so like if i can imagine playing this for five uh instant speed by the way yep oh, you know that's actually mean? really good i like that much more now yeah for sure uh paying it for five instant speed drawing seven and mm. then immediately untapping and then suddenly i have access to like a ton of stuff on my turn that feels great that does feel pretty good so stinging study Instant speed makes it pretty good. Um, you're drawing. I mean, it, would you even play like a five mana draw three if your commander was three? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, maybe like I've played four mana draw three for the ancient craving and. I mean, you've one. done similar things in blue. We talked about a card that's just X blue, blue, blue drawing for that. So. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? I mean, it just, here's the thing. I think about drawing four or five or six cards and I feel so much better yeah. that like drawing three makes me like, oh, I don't know. But it's not that bad. Yeah, there are a lot of cards though that will just three mana draw you three in black. Like so wretched, like wretched confluence. Like again, like I've played that draw like a bunch. five mana, five yeah. mana draw three, lose three, and it's been exactly what I wanted in black. Right. Yeah. I just, I just wish. Here's the thing. Like I have a feeling that if you are playing this for drawing four cards, five cards, six cards, seven cards, that you're gonna feel great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as long four is probably the minimum I'd want for this. Yeah, I think so too. I'm gonna play this at four. Okay, I'm gonna play I'll this play with Erebos, too. my mono black Erebos deck. Ooh, I'll play that. Nice. For sure. All right. Next we have Vain Witch Coven. Wow. Two and a black for a th- three three vampire warlock with Menace. Whenever you gain life, you may pay black. If you do, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Okay, so every time you gain life, you can pay an extra black. The trigger will go on the stack, and you get a creature card from your graveyard to your hand. A lot of sab involved. A lot of raise dead action, but yeah. raise dead is worth a. It's a black, so it's kind of worth a card. I really like the art on it, though. It feels very fun and old schooly. This is the thing, though. You need to gain life in order to use this. I think of cards like Phyrexian Reclamation, which you're just able to use anytime you want. It costs a little bit more, but you don't need to have this gain life on top of it. So this immediately limits the kinds of decks it can go into. So keep that in mind. There are black creatures that just bring them back to the battlefield, much less bring them back to your hand. Like Gravedigger, four mana, just immediately brings a creature back to your hand. That's not very playable in Commander. And you don't have to worry about jumping through the hoop of lifelink or whatever it is. So you have to have like really repeatable lifelink in a way to get cards into your graveyard all the time to really make maximum full use of this, I feel like. Yeah, I think you need to like trigger this like two or three times yeah. to, to really like get value out of it and bring back relevant cards that you want. You um, know, it'd be nice if this was three mana, three, three menace lifelink. In that, oh, which that case, would be so good. It can That's attack better. and get the life. And it wouldn't then even you can be pay. amazing. Like it would just be like, <laughs> yeah, it'd, it'd be just cool be... and synergistic in its own right. Yeah, exactly. Jimmy. Go design cards. No, don't. Mark, I'm right here. Don't leave. Hey. <laughs> no, don't don't hire me. I, I would do some really dumb stuff. <laughs> yeah. Jibby's like Commander Lightning Bolt. Commander that's Lightning the name Bolt. Of it. Yep, that's right. Cast it as many times as you want. Every time you cast it, costs less mana. Wow. What do you think of black? I thought black was just okay. Nothing in here made me go, wow, cool. Except for maybe Author of Shadows. I think a five mana just you can play it in any black deck and be very okay with it. 
uh, is great. The yeah. rest of these are just kind of middling, I suppose. I think it felt like blue a little bit, like where we're talking, yeah, exactly. about, we're talking about a board wipe and comparing it to other black board wipes. Yep. We're talking about an aristocrat's piece that, you know, we compare to other aristocrat's pieces. Yeah. It just feels slightly different. And so I don't know if they brought a b- bunch of new stuff. I think that this author of Shadows definitely like felt newer, you know? Yeah. But I do like the space that they're in, which is just like, we're going to focus more on the life gain aspect because of Witherbloom or whatever. Uh, we're going to focus more on the the copying part because of Silver Quill or whatever. And that means that they can be useful in the right hands, but they don't do the thing that Opposition Agent did, which is just like, well, you kind of have to have one in every deck now or like, uh, uh, you know, what's the goblin? Dockside Extortionist, right? They're not so powerful and so absurd. And White, so far, I think, has just gotten the best cards, which is great because we're moving on to our most powerful and most favorite uh, new monocolored card. So the most powerful new monocolored card. We both agreed on this one. It's a pretty easy one to say. It's the one that we freaked out about the first time we saw it. We freaked out about it again when we saw it again. We both wrote Archaeomancer's Map. I mean, it just is. Now, if it was, if it wasn't for white, if white was a good color, um, would this be making waves? Probably not. If but but here's Which is the thing. so interesting. We're we're calling this out as the most powerful card, but then also we're like, well, it's in the context of white. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. No other colors can put lands out like this now, right? Black can't really do it. Blue can kind of do it with some cards. Red definitely can't do it. So this actually puts white's ramp ability with the cards that we've gotten recently actually like really, really far up there and better than other colors in some ways. It's moving up there. I love, I love this. I love the fact that it's not four mana. I really like that it's comparable to other things that green can do. I'm, I'm done. I'm done gushing. I am smitten. Yeah, I'm smitten too. I'm smitten for that kitten. Okay. Let's talk about our favorite new monocolored card. I'll go first. I really like promise of loyalty. I know it's not the perfect card, but I like, again, I love these kinds of board wipes that let everyone keep one thing. It sometimes adds a lot of interesting dynamic to the table. And, you know, it's one of those board wipes where someone's going to go, well, at least this didn't completely reset the board and we have to wait and take an extra 10 hours to play this game. Maybe you did it in a way that helps it get a little faster and your opponent's got to keep their favorite cards. Um, And I'm sure one player is going to groan because you're like, you didn't get rid of the thing that actually cost us the most trouble. But I like it. And the art's Here's, really cool. Uh, do you know what? I, I like the fact that you're like, I like the way that it plays. You know, yeah. when we call it the most powerful card, like, yes, we want we want a powerful card that goes in a lot of decks. But you're like, I like the play pattern of this. I like the ability to have a board wipe to make sure the game keeps going, but not grind everything to a halt. Right. People still get to do their thing. I get to do my thing. That's a really fun way to play Commander. That's why you'll never see me playing a card that says destroy all non-land permanents. Just get that out of my existence. I don't want to see that card ever played against me or play it myself. Self. All right, my favorite card of this set so far is Author of Shadows. Oh, nice. That would, that would be my close second for me, too. Here's why I like it. Um, I like that it's it feels like you're eating your fruits and vegetables because it gets rid of your opponent's <laughs> graveyards. Because you need what to What a nice that. way to put it. Like, you need to have that in your decks. You really do. Um, right. And so I have that effect. I feel like I'm doing something that that's good for my deck, that makes my deck better rounded. Mm-hmm. But then also... It has the fun part of like tapping into what your opponents are doing, stealing their spell. And it could be yeah. anything, you know, their spell could even be a boat. Like we, it could, <laughs> like, it's so fun to just take whatever they're doing to take the best thing out there yeah. to say like, Hey, Hey Jimmy, what, what you got in your graveyard over there? Oh bro, come on. <laughs> don't tell me you're good. No. Yay, I'm yes. recurrent. So I mean, not to great. mention too, it doesn't even get rid of your own graveyard. So if you're playing a graveyard strategy, it's not like, Oh darn, I need a graveyard hate. And this is the only thing I had. 
If you're not playing Bajukabog, you should be an author of Shadows. If you're not playing it and you need some graveyard hate, this is a great staple, I think, for a lot of those, those decks. All right, to the listeners, let us know what your favorite cards are from this list of mono, white, blue, and black. Let me know if you guys and all and y'all out there have some commander decks that you're putting them in that we didn't mention today, some sort of secret synergies that we didn't think about. And tell us, of course, if we're wrong about the cards that we're down on, too. We, we need to know. I need to know. <laughs> Make sure you head over to cardkingdom.com slash command zone as well to pick up any of the cards we mentioned today or any of the awesome strict saving cards or those incredible mystical archives. Oh my goodness. I don't know how I'm going to collect them because there are so many and I want the English versions. I want that Japanese variants. I want the foil I versions. I want the foil versions and they're so hard to get. Uh, everything's hard to get, but you know what? Maybe you can crack them open in the collector's booster. I got a couple coming my way as well. I'm really excited. Ooh, yeah, I can't fun. wait. Yeah, maybe I'll open them on stream or something. And of course, Ultra Pro, a big sponsor of the show. They give us all the playmats and all these incredible pieces of art. You can get the mystical archive art on the playmats. This That's is one of the best, one. some of the best art I think Magic's seen in quite a long time. So really, really awesome there. I love that. All okay. Right. We're not going to do an in-step. Nope. Too much magic content, and we don't have enough stuff to talk about because we literally have just been talking about magic. And I have some good stuff saved up for our next episode. Yeah, I think, I think all of us have some good stuff, too. Uh, I put it out there. I was like, I got an in-step, guys, and they're like, no, no. moving full head of magic straight ahead. <laughs> How dare you, DJ? We can't do that on this show. All right, clean up step. Our editing, graphics, and logistics team here at the Command Zone is Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Desaka, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, and Gaurav Galat. And big thanks, as always, to Jeffrey Palmer for the living card animations that often live behind us on set. But definitely do start our show at youtube.com slash the Command Zone Podcast. You can find him on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'll Bye-bye see you everyone. next time. Bye-bye. Peace. Peace. For your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.